Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I remember, um, I remember having my heart broken in high school. I mean, everybody does, right? And I would, I would get my heart broken and people would tell me, you know, well, you'll get over this. It'll be fine. Like you'll meet someone else or there will be something else that will come along that will fill the void of this heartache. And I was like, well, I don't want this. Like, I don't want that. I want to be angry about this or I want to be upset or I want to be heartbroken. So it is, it is hard to kind of find that balance. And I think I think sometimes you actually need to let yourself appreciate and and kind of honor the loss. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell-by-cell -cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Geraldine, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you and I connected via our mutual friend, Matt Monroe, who has been a photographer at our events and also a continual referring source for many amazing guests. So uh, on that note, can you tell us a, a bit about yourself, your story, your journey, your background, and how that has led you to everything that you're up to today? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, it's always it's always tough to know where to start because the story's kind of been a winding one, but I usually always start it with uh, my layoff mm -hmm. because it seems like a, a good point to begin things. So, and that's with an ending. Um, so I was a, a copywriter at a toy and game company here in Seattle and things were not going well with the company. We knew we were going to get acquired and we kind of knew that we were headed towards the end. So like any reasonable person who knows that they're going to lose their job, I decided I needed to use up any vacation days that might not pay out. So I skipped town um, and went to Italy with a friend of mine. And while I was in Italy, I received a message from one of my coworkers that we had all lost our jobs. I was like, all right, okay. Um, fortunately, it was, it was eight hours ahead in Italy, so I already had the presence of mind to have drowned my sorrows in wine and <laughs> gelato. So I'm like, all right, I'm in a, I'm in a good place to, for, to receive bad news. Uh, so I, I came back home, and it was, it was actually this really, this really interesting moment, because it, it forced me to focus on what had happened. Because when you're in Italy and you lose your job, you're like, it's fine. Everything's okay. I'm going to eat some more pasta. We'll be great. Uh, but I'm going through passport security, and the the gentleman at the passport uh, station is looking, you know, he's looking at my ID, and he's asking me a couple of questions, and one of them is, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a copywriter. And I paused, and I said, Actually, that's incorrect. I was a copywriter. I just got let go on Friday. And he paused and he looks up at me. And like I had this, you know, human connection with someone in passport control, which very rarely happens. Uh, and he, he pauses and he looks up at me and he says, are you serious? And I said, yeah. And he said, I am so, so sorry. And I was like, oh, Thanks. Like it was just this, this, I don't know, just this brief little pause in the interaction that really stood out to me. Um, so I, I was back home and now I didn't have a job. And the thing that kind of made me a bit different from a lot of people I knew was that I loved my job. Like it was amazing. I got to design toys and games for a living and write box content and come up with promotions. It was so much fun. And now I didn't have, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I started looking kind of half-heartedly for some other jobs. Um, and I started doing a little bit of freelancing. My husband, or at the time he was my fiance, had been traveling a lot for work. So we actually hadn't seen a lot of each other. And he said, why don't you take some time off and go on a couple trips with me and you can keep freelancing or doing whatever. And I said, all right, like I'll go on a couple trips with you. And, uh, I figured it would last for a couple months and a couple months turned into 
many months. And after a year, you know, I would send out these emails to friends and there were these really long rambling emails about our trips. And someone said, so when are you going to start a travel blog? And I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. And my husband was like, do it, just go ahead, do it. Like see where it goes. It'll be like a great platform to have your work out there. It can't hurt. Why not try it? I was like, all right. So I started a travel blog and I had no idea what the hell I was doing because I am a terrible traveler. Like I get motion sickness on swing sets. So I start trying to figure out the world of travel blogging. And if you've ever met anyone in the travel world, they are hardcore. Like they have done everything. They've hiked to Machu Picchu. They've climbed mountains. I mean, like they are, there is this group of, of travel bloggers that are just, I, I can't even describe it. They're, they're just hardcore, like amazing people. And I am so not that. So I didn't even know what world I was wading into. Um, and for a while I would try and I would kind of try and play the part. And then I realized I am a total fraud. Like I do not know how to budget travel. I don't stay in hostels. Like I need a barf bag at all times. Like I am not as cool as any of these people. And so what I started to do is write about my incompetence at traveling. And, you know, I would tell these personal stories about how I would try and get to a destination and I got lost three times and I got on the wrong bus and I ended up in a part of town that I didn't know. But then I found this cool museum there and all of these adventures that emerged from me getting lost. And I found that while that wasn't perhaps as useful as these travel blogs out there that did, you know, the hardcore here's how to travel perspective, it was a very sincere one. And fortunately, you know, people latched onto that. They latched onto that story. They latched onto the story about me traveling with my husband. Um, and my blog, The Everywhereist, kind of was defined by that experience. So I always say it's a travel blog for the accidentally adventurous or for people who don't really know how to travel. And my philosophy is if I can do it, anyone can. Hmm. Okay. So there's a, a ton of stuff here that I want to dig back into, but before Let's, we yeah. do that, uh, I know you've probably heard me ask some of these questions since you've, yeah. uh, you know, been in, you've listened to a few of our interviews. What have been the formative experiences, I mean, growing up, uh, leading to everything uh, that ultimately would make you do something like this? Like when you look back over the course of your life, are there inflection points or moments of significance that you feel played a role, but that you didn't see at the time, but could see now? Um, yeah, to a, to a degree. Yeah. I think that a lot of things that happened when I was a kid have become kind of clarified by by my experiences now and by my travels. So I grew up in a very international family. Uh, my mother came over to the U.S. from Italy right before I was born. Um, and my father actually came over for a little bit, but actually chose to remain in Germany. But he's of Russian ancestry. And then, uh, you know, a lot of my aunts had married Either, you know, one of my uncles is English, another one was an American. So it was this very much like a cultural mix in my family. And for a long time, I didn't, I wasn't able to understand what the root of that was, like where, what made us us. And 
in hindsight, I look back and I realize like this upbringing was very multicultural and very international. I just thought we were weird. You know, I thought we did weird stuff. I'm like, my family sits around the dinner table for like three hours yelling. Like, who does that? And then I go to Italy and, and we'll be at a restaurant and there's just a table of people who are shouting and laughing and like sitting around this table for hours. And in the US, they would have been ushered off. Like, they would have been given the check and asked, you know, to leave because you've finished eating an hour and a half ago. Uh, so I started to understand all of these moments were, you know, it wasn't just our weirdness. It was because they were, they were foreign. Um, and so there were these moments that seemed awkward or strange at the time that now I look back and I'm kind of able to see them with a new lens. And it's definitely a lens of, of kind of fondness and, and more understanding like, okay, they weren't strange. They were just Italian. Um, but something that everyone in my family has kind of always done. And my mother is, is perhaps most known for it in my family is that they they tell a lot of stories and they recount a lot of stories and it's about you know this is the experience that happened when we were kids oh this was the time you know that this happened or that happened and yeah uh, last night I actually had my mom over to dinner um, and she started telling stories from when I was a kid which is not something that she does often uh, and she said oh yeah Geraldine was the one who ate everything I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, oh, like you would just find stuff and put it in your mouth. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, oh, everything. She's like, like toothpaste, like whatever you found on the table. You were, I like lost track of you for two minutes and you had shoved something in your mouth and I couldn't tell what it was. And I called the doctor in a panic. I'm like, oh my God. So this, this tendency, my mom said I was, I was experiencing the world by tasting it. I think is what she said. But this tendency to tell stories is very ingrained in my family. And I guess I, at some point, realized that I had stories that I wanted to tell too. And I think the blog has been my opportunity to do that and, and share, you know, my experiences with people. And they're not, they are not always profound, um, but I, I'm hoping they'll at least be entertaining. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I, I, I had a feeling you were going to talk about stories and that kind of takes me right into the next question, okay. uh, which it was, uh, you know, how is it that hearing all of those stories around a dinner table in these very long drawn out dinners uh, mm -hmm. has influenced and shaped the way you tell stories today? Well, so much of so much of when I start to to recount, you know, a trip or an experience will will come from a childhood experience. Like that happens a lot. If you read the blog, I'll talk about, you know, when I was, when I was a little kid, you know, there was one story like my mom would, would make us fried chicken, which is not an Italian thing to do. Um, and so I, I wrote this, you know, one story about that and about this experience because it's a very clear memory in my mind. And then I turned it into this restaurant that we visited in Ireland that was focused on fried chicken, right? And it's just a restaurant review. But I feel like the story became a lot richer because I had this childhood narrative to tie it to. And so I found that that happens a lot. When I'm telling someone about a trip, it's never really about that trip. It's about 
you know, how, how it pertains to my life or, or what other experiences I've had that tie into this one. And if I don't find that, or if that doesn't come naturally, um, I will, I'll just tell the story, you know, the actual history of the place where I visited and, and, um, try and give people some background that way. But I just want to give them, I want to give them something to latch onto because I think if you visit a town or you walk through a place and there's no narrative that you can assign to it, it's just not that interesting. Mm. Okay. So, you know, when I'm listening to you say that, it raises a question for me, uh, about, how we find the rich narratives in our own lives and uh, apply that to the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And are you asking me yeah. how I find the ones that? Yeah, I, I mean, find? and how do we, how do we do, how do we do that in our own work? Gosh, uh, I mean, for me, it's not. It is not a structured process. Um, and there's times when it's absolutely agonizing. You know, there's times where I'll start writing a post or, or start trying to come up with the story um, behind a trip. Like, what was, what was the narrative around this? What is the, the story that's coming out of this? And I won't, I won't be able to come up with anything. And I'll, I'll be racking my brain for it. And there are times when I'm actually on the trip and I'm like, what is the narrative that is coming out of this. Like what, you know, what is the theme of this trip? And I find that I will get, I will get really, if I focus on it too much, it just becomes more and more elusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I do is, is just try and, and step back and, and just start, it's almost like I'm starting a conversation with myself. Like, I'm walking down this street. You know, what am I seeing? What are the things that stand out to me? What are the scents? What are the sights? What are the colors? Does this remind me of anything? Have I had this feeling before? And I try and start to just rely on my senses and look around. And sometimes if it's after the trip, I'll look through the photos and I'm like, what is what is here? And I'm just trying to look for either a pattern or something that emerges Um, but a lot of times I find that they come out on their own, like Mm -hmm. they just bubble to the top and you'll find your, you know, I'll find myself in the middle of a trip walking and the story will start to write itself and I'll actually start to narrate it to myself. Like this city reminds me of this experience or, you know, this time in childhood or this specific moment and, um, and it, it's it's a very natural process, but I find the more I try and analyze it, or the more I try and force it, the more elusive it gets. It's such a catch twenty two. Yeah, it's funny. I you know when I'm, I'm listening to you describe that, it reminds me so much of my recent surf trip, where I was literally just hoping that I would have all these great ideas for for the next chapter of my book, and mm-hmm. uh, it was like, how could I not have you know amazing ideas? I'm doing the one thing that I love most, the thing that inspires all my writing, and. I'm telling you, I, I honestly could not write anywhere near what I could normally write. And then, you know, I got back uh, and suddenly all the ideas started to percolate. Yeah. It was really weird. I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe I was just meant not to do any writing on that trip and just to let it kind of uh, be what it was. Yeah. And I find that sometimes we do need to, we do need to let things settle. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, 
my husband and I took a trip to the Amalfi Coast. And we drove on the Amalfi Coast Highway, which I don't know if you've ever been on it or had any experience with it. Like it is this, it was constructed, I don't even know how many years ago. And it was meant as basically like an ancient highway uh, down the coast of Italy. And it is now been somewhat reinforced to accommodate vehicles. Um, but it's definitely, it's, it's about as wide as a, a, a semi-spacious one-lane road. And you will have at least two lanes of traffic on it. And usually these massive tour buses mm-hmm. are going up and down it. And it was this incredible experience to be on it. Um, but it was also, it almost clouded all of my senses because it was so overwhelming. And my husband who was driving it, he kept saying all of these, these things which were very profound and they were, he would say things like, I feel like this road and this highway is a character in the story of our trip. And then he would pause and he'd go, and it's the villain because he hated this experience so much. So here I have this incredibly unique experience and I have, my husband is literally writing the post for me. Like he's saying these profound things, but I could not for the life of me write this narrative. Like I couldn't tell the story and I don't know what it was. And I didn't end up doing it. I tried, I started writing it. I failed. And I probably started half a dozen times. And finally I was like, you know what? I just got to let this sit for a while. And one day I woke up and I can't even remember what it was. I think I was going through some old photos and I found a photo of the highway and I just sat down and wrote wrote the post in probably 30 or 40 minutes, just banged the whole thing out. And it became one of my favorite posts on the blog. And I think I just, you know, like you said, you need time to let it kind of marinate and and sit for a while before you can revisit it. And then it becomes, it becomes clear to you. You know, time reveals everything, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, I, I want to go back to something that you said uh, at the start of our conversation uh, about your layoff. You mentioned this idea of finding a new beginning in an ending. Yeah. And I feel like so many people get so consumed by the ending that they can't see the possibility of a new beginning. And I am wondering how they start to do that in their lives. I mean, it is, it is really difficult. I remember, um, I remember having my heart broken in high school. I mean, everybody does. Right. And I would, I would get my heart broken and people would tell me, you know, well, you'll get over this. It'll be fine. Like, you'll meet someone else or there will be something else that will come along that will fill the void of this heartache. And I was like, well, I don't want this. Like, I don't want that. I want to be angry about this or I want to be upset or I want to be heartbroken. So it is, it is hard to kind of find that balance. And I think, I think sometimes you actually need to let yourself appreciate and and kind of honor the loss and not to sound too hippy dippy but <laughs> for me you know for me I was like okay I just lost a really great job this sucks let's think about this like let's think about what has been lost rather than try and ignore it like let's just focus on it let us feel bad about this and then let's move on. And sometimes, you know, I've even heard of, you know, my husband told me a story of a colleague of his who had a really, a really big professional loss in his life. And he was like, okay, I'm going to let myself feel bad about this for the next 48 hours. And he just sat down and he's like, I'm going to feel bad, as bad about this as I need to feel. Like I am going to grieve. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to focus on what I should have done differently. And then I'm done and I'm moving on. And I think the thing that we often do is we don't allow ourselves to kind of, as crazy as it sounds, we don't allow ourselves to wallow in it enough. Like we'll deal with it a little bit and then we try and go on with our day and then we revisit it. So we're never really, we're never getting over it and we're never properly grieving it. And I think you need to, I think you need to take time and honor the loss and be like, okay, this sucked. And I am angry about it. And I'm, you know, I'm upset because of this, this, that, and that. And then you validate those feelings. And you're like, all right, so what are we going to do? Like, what can I do with this now? Because I need to, for me, I always need to make sense of a loss. It needs to have a purpose. Otherwise, it just sucks, right? Mm -hmm. Like, bad experiences need to have a purpose. And I think that mentality helps to get through it. And it also works on a microcosmic level. It also totally works when I'm having a bad experience on a trip, you know, well, something will happen. Like we'll get ripped off by a, like, uh, you know, some shady hotel, something will happen. They'll charge us for an extra day, you know, 
like a cab driver will take us the wrong route and charge us extra, all these little things. And they will infuriate you and they will get you down unless you actually like focus on what the point of it is. And sometimes, sometimes it's, it provides a great cautionary tale for someone else. And that's become a great tool for the blog. I'm like, okay, guys, this sucked and it happened to me. Let's make sure it doesn't happen to you. Um, or it just will become funny. Like at some point things get so ridiculous that you're like, okay, we have to laugh now. And that's what I tell myself. Even when things get really bad, I'm like, this will be a great story someday. And that really helps to put it all in perspective. Why do you think it is that some people manage to find, uh, new beginnings and their endings and others don't? Gosh. I mean, I think, I think for me at least, I think it's a support system. I think when you, you know, when you feel like you're on your own and when you don't feel like you've got someone to talk to, um, and you don't feel like you've got people around to help you, it, it becomes very easy to wallow in the loss. Like I think if my layoff had happened and I didn't have all of my coworkers around me who were these amazing, talented people who were going through the same thing, I think that would have been a really difficult situation to get over. I think if I didn't have my husband who was, you know, so supportive, not, you know, not just emotionally, but thank God he was, he was there for me financially. He's like, Hey, it's cool. Like we're in this together. You will be fine if you're not pulling in a paycheck. I think that was a huge help. And he was also championing me, championing me as well. He's like, look, like you've got a lot of talent. Like your career is just started. Let's see, let's see what you're going to do next. Cause this is just the very beginning. So for me, it was very much having all of these amazing positive forces around me. And I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm supremely lucky and not everyone has that. And it is much harder to convince yourself that you, you know, you're good enough, you're smart enough, you can can get over this. Right. And people like you, it's hard to convince yourself of that when you feel like you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I I think about the role that uh, people like my business partner, Brian have played in in getting me through, you know, some of the tougher things that I've I've dealt with. And it's amazing how much that support system can, even when you're at your worst, those people matter so much. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's such a, it's such an amazing thing. Cause like you said, like when you're at your worst, you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not being a good friend right now yeah. and I'm not being a good partner. Like I am in a shit situation and I'm acting like, I'm not acting like my best self. Like I can't be the best articulation of who I am. And these people are still like tirelessly, uh, supporting you. And it's, it's incredible and it's amazing. And it's, they've definitely paid, like, I feel a karmic debt to that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if I I need to, I need to make sure these people know how grateful I am for it. Without a doubt. So let's do this. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your time working with toys and games, because I'm very curious how that perspective 
uh, has shaped and influenced the way you see the world, the way you live your life, and also the way you tell stories? Like, what has that done for your work that you kind of didn't expect or has, has you know, impacted your work? Well, it turned me, I mean, that job turned me into a writer, which was not something I had done before. And it really made me think about voice and messaging. So I started, it was, it was kind of my, I had worked at a few other jobs, but it was the first job where I feel like a career was emerging out of it. And I started as um, just an, an admin, you know, and I was, I was handling administrative duties. It was not an editorial position. Um, and it gradually over the time I worked there became one. So that was a remarkable thing because I realized, holy cow, you can write and you can, you can create messaging that's true to you and you can be goofy and silly and it can be your career and there is value in that. Um, I remember once one of my one of my bosses was talking to some members of the editorial team about the voice that they wanted for this new line of products. And she's like, I want it to be kind of edgy, but still friendly. And she was going through it. And she's like, you know what? You guys should talk to Geraldine. Spend some time talking to Geraldine because the voice for this product is the voice that she has around the office. And I was like, that was a profound moment for me. Like it was such a like wonderful compliment and so validating. So that made me start to change how I viewed, I viewed myself and my own writing because I kind of always thought like I'm very quirky and I'm very weird and I'm very alone in all of this. And what that job made me realize is, well, no, you're not because there's a whole legion of people who are quirky and strange and weird who want to hear your take on things. And so that really, that really helped hone and kind of validate the voice in that I write with on the blog. Um, and something else that happened was I, I was, you know, I was still writing for someone else. I was writing for a company and they had very specific messaging that they wanted. And I actually blogged for them and I blogged for some other freelance clients. Um, and it's not your own voice necessarily. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. And I found that to be really you know, I was I was in my mid to late 20s at the time, and I found that to be really stifling. I was like, why can't, you know, why can't I have my own messaging? And it's like, well, because it's not your product, and it's not your company. But of course, at the time, I didn't realize it. So I would butt heads with, you know, my boss or other members of the editorial team, like, why can't we do it this way? And it's like, well, because that's not the brand that we're communicating. So when I started writing on my own, I call it my blog's rebellious adolescence. Like when I first started writing, I was all over the place. And I was like, just super aggressive. I'm like, well, I couldn't cuss before when I was blogging. So I peppered things with the F word and like the S word and a whole bunch of other words. <laughs> and I look back at that, at those early posts and I'm like, who, like, who is this angry person? Because that's not my voice either. And so it's interesting because the pendulum swung all the way, you know, it was, it was formal and it was, 
it was not me because I had to adhere to the rules of someone else. And then when I started writing for myself, it swung too far the other way. And I didn't even adhere to my own rules. And I wasn't, I still wasn't being sincere with who I was. And after a while of blogging, I was like, okay, wait, we're reacting. This isn't my real voice. I'm reacting to my job and the voice that I had to have professionally. And after a while, the pendulum swung back towards the middle and I started discovering my own voice. And I think that entire journey, you know, was kind of kicked off by having to write in a professional environment and thinking about this stuff. Cause a lot of times we don't, you know, we just assume that, well, when I start writing, it'll be natural. And when I start writing, it'll be, it'll be my own voice and it'll be true and sincere and authentic to who I am. But it, a lot of times there's more of a journey mm. involved. Do you think that uh, a voice is something that people naturally have as a gift or is it something that can be developed over time? Um, I think we all naturally have it, but it's, difficult like we need we need to work on figuring out what it is and figuring out how to properly express it um you know i i've i feel like i've figured out my voice on the blog and it is self-deprecating um and it is emotional without being hopefully too treacly and it is a little bit sarcastic but not overly mean and i've I've been working on that for years. Now that's always, it's always been in there. It's always been my internal narrative. It's always been consistent across all these platforms of, you know, when I interact with people in person or when I write a letter to someone or emails or tweets, like it's always been there, but it's been hard to distill it and it's been hard to figure it out. So yeah, I do think, I do think it takes time to figure out what our, what our authentic selves are and what our, our true voice is. And what I found is you just need to write a lot and you mm. need to put things up there and see what feels natural and what doesn't. I love this. I mean, you're speaking my language because I found that even with me as a writer, uh, it's been an entirely a process of discovery uh, and mm -hmm. just, you know, hammering out a lot of shitty words, most of which oh, yeah. are lousy, like thousands and thousands of horrible, horrible words. If, if people actually saw what was in my journaling software, they'd be horrified. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. You know, one of the things that you said earlier in our conversation was that you had had this experience uh, of writing from this very sort of sincere perspective and then you became defined by that, uh, which I, I think is really interesting because to me that's sort of a, a major inflection point in your development as a writer and as a creator. And I'm wondering how people find those experiences that they could be defined by in their own work and their own lives. Um, I think it becomes trial and error. And I think what you did, uh, and you talked about this when you, your, your medium article about mm -hmm. writing a thousand words a day, I think that was, I think that was, that's super powerful. And that's kind of inadvertently what I did with the blog. I realized that, uh, people were writing about budget travel and they were writing about, you know, um, 
backpacking and all of these things. And I thought, I can't do any of that. But the one commodity that I do have, and I have a lot of it, is time. So I will write every day. So I started writing every day um, and just putting whatever I could out there. And so one day I would try to do, you know, product reviews. And the next day I would do top 10 things to see in whatever city. And the next day I would do something different and something else and a restaurant review. And I was able to see, okay, which blog, which posts felt more natural to me and which posts were easier to write and which ones felt like an extension of myself. And invariably, the ones that I was most comfortable writing and the ones that kind of emerged most naturally were the ones that did the best. And I think that's because they rang authentic to the audience. So the thing that I would say is put put whatever you can out there, throw whatever you can up and see what sticks. And the one thing that you need to remember, and, and you touched on this briefly, is that all the crap that you create is not worthless because I, it's such an inherent part of the process. You need to create the crap and you need to try the stuff that isn't true to yourself in order to get to what is. Like It's part of the digging journey to see what your real voice and where the really good heart of, of who you are as a writer is. Wow. So... Let's do this. I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the unexpected byproducts of uh, having done all this and having done all this work. I mean, where has it led you and, and what kinds of things that uh, you didn't plan for have happened as a byproduct of this? Um, I never imagined. So I always thought that the blog would be would not be an end in and of itself. I thought it would serve as something to keep me out of trouble and, you know, uh, hopefully would I wouldn't fall into a life of crime after I had been laid off and, you know, wouldn't start some illegal koala wrestling ring or something. <laughs> so I, I like, I, I just thought it was going to be something fun that, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't going to lead to anything. And it, the fact that it grew and the fact that people started reading it, just, it's still miraculous to me. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'll look at my analytics. I'm like, really? Like, thank you for visiting, but really? Like, I'm insane. Like, I am rambling about all sorts of crap, and you guys are reading it? That is incredible and amazing and so weird to me. So the fact, like, that is just, that has been an amazing experience. Just the path that the blog has taken on its own. I never, I never thought that there would, that that would ever happen. And I think, too, the, um, you know, a big part of my blog is my husband and my relationship with him. And I remember when I first started, you know, when I first started the blog, like we, he had told me, you know, you should put your writing online, you should create your own platform and you should be writing. And he said, what can, what can you write about every day? And I said, you and cake. And he goes, okay, that no one wants to read that. 
So what topic do you think you could write about every single day without fail? And I pretended to think about it a little bit. And I said, you and cake. And he's like, all right, I think you should maybe travel. Because that had come up before from a friend of mine. He's like, I think you should start a travel blog. I'm like, all right, I will start a travel blog. But I will also write about you and cake. And so I think that there's there's something important to be learned there, which is if you're really passionate about something, like if you're really crazy about something, and I love my husband and I love cake and dessert and ice cream and anything sweet really, um, but if you're really passionate about something and you're able to convey that passion, people will be interested in it. You know, they will be compelled by that story. Um, so I think that that... I completely lost focus on what I was saying. I'm sorry. I started thinking about cake. What was, what was the original question? I, I, I don't even know. I think the, that path, I, the path that the blog took. Yeah. As you can see, I can't even answer that question without going off on a complete tangent. So it's pretty clear that the blog went off in places I never imagined. Um, and I had always hoped, I had always hoped to write a book. Uh-huh. God, I need an editor for my life and my mouth, clearly. But I had always hoped to write a book, and the uh, the fact that that is you know slowly coming to fruition through the blog is uh-huh. something I never imagined, and it's so exciting. Very cool. Well, I have one. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, I am probably the most scatterbrained person you've talked. Oh, I, I don't I don't think so. I definitely have had a lot of people who have, have told crazy stories here. Uh, but this has been fascinating. I mean, it's been a really interesting dive into, into the process of discovering a voice. Uh, so I have one last question for you, which yes. I know you've probably heard me ask. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? <sighs> I think I think sincerity is such an important part. I think um, I think being honest with yourself and being honest with your audience, and sometimes that can be excruciating because you really have to show all of your flaws. You know, you have to uh, you have to write about your mistakes, which I do very often. You know, I took this wrong turn, I did this, I did that. You have to write about your shortcomings, and I think that becomes a really unique and remarkable and um, wonderful thing for people to latch on to. I, I really think it's sincerity and sometimes that's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's really uncomfortable and painful. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of the most important things in writing. Wow. Well, this has been great. Uh, I've oh, learned so I'm, much talking to you. I'm so glad. <laughs> I was really expecting you to go, okay, well, this is 45 minutes of my life. I'm never getting back. <laughs> no, I, I think this has been fascinating and, and a really interesting dive into Defining Voice. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and uh, share well, your story and your insights with our listeners. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, you make it seem remarkably effortless uh, when you when you conduct these conversations and these interviews. And I will say, like, uh, to be on the other end of it, I'm like, damn, like he's he's got it down. <laughs> awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative.
Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.